0: Hi friends, I'm Molly, your host today. And thank you for joining our Relief from Darkness podcast, where we're having conversations with people who've walked out of various hard places in their lives and straight into freedom through Christ. So today we'll be hearing from David and his experience with loneliness. David is a volunteer with No Boundaries International, as well as a leader of community outreach at his local church. He has also co-founded a nonprofit called Hope for Change, where they focus on meeting the needs for change for people in hard places. He's a former drug addict who has changed his addiction to drugs into an addiction to helping people in need. Hi friends, I'm Molly, and we are here today with our Relief from Darkness teammates, we are continuing our conversation with people um, who are just here explaining the various hard things and stuck places that the Lord has brought them out of. Because um, here at No Boundaries, we really believe that these stuck places and hard things don't have to hinder us forever, that we don't have to be stuck in our destiny forever. We truly believe that we can heal our brains. And as we change our brains, then you change your life. So, joining us today is Dr. Lori Bassey. Hi, guys. Our very own brain geek, and
1: she's super, super excited today. Molly, you're not going to believe what's happening today. What? Why are we you so excited? We have a former drug trafficker on today. What? Yes, and wait until he unpacks his story. hmm But he's going to be talking about loneliness. Oh. Tell us about loneliness, Molly.
0: Okay. Well, actually, so loneliness is kind of like this perceived sadness because thinking that you don't have any friends or company. And because loneliness is like a state of mind, being physically alone is not necessarily um, a sufficient condition to experience loneliness, if that makes sense. So one can experience a lonely state of mind while being literally in a room full of people at work or at home or even in a marriage. And so then with that, it doesn't really matter about your income or education or your gender, ethnicity, like none of those things can really protect you from loneliness. And so I just want to take a second here to kind of draw the line that even in solitude, like that's kind of the physical state of being by themselves. So you can be in solitude and not experience loneliness, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And it's really interesting. I've looked up the statistics for us then coming out of a global pandemic. And so the most recent statistics and you're welcome are Thank you. that 36% of all Americans report a serious, not Molly, not just loneliness, but a serious, a serious loneliness. And that happens to break down to 61% of young adults and 51% of mothers. And then because of the various causes of loneliness, there's potentially steep costs of loneliness, including early mortality and serious physical and emotional Mm -hmm. problems like depression, anxiety, heart disease, substance abuse, and domestic abuse. So I think it's really, really relevant that we have this at this particular time on this podcast.
0: So this is a perfect time, David, for you to... To kind of shed some light on this, because it sounds like we're in, I mean, we're in a kind of environment that's just really created this extra loneliness. So with that, David, do you mind just kind of telling us your story and your experiences with loneliness?
2: Sure. Not a problem. Um, I, as I was sitting here thinking about it, I, I realized that my loneliness came a lot based on trust as you were sitting there, th- 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 trusting other people, meaning as I grew up, mm-hmm. At five years old, I was able to leave my parents and go live with my grandparents by choice. Mm. At the time, it was great. It was a great thought and I loved it. But as I got older, I started thinking, how does a parent let a five year old make that decision? Uh-huh. Right. You know what I mean? And then, but I had a great life. I mean, it really was. There was some loneliness at Christmas when um, living with my grandparents and my grandmother didn't drive and my parents lived at another place and they would celebrate Christmas. And everybody would have their Christmas together and then come get Dave at 11 o'clock. You know, so then it's there opening gifts by myself while everybody's around you looking at you. So to this day, I still won't open a gift in front of anybody. I just don't. It's my face. I don't hide the reaction. So Mm -hmm. it's not good. (laughs) So um, it's one of those things where it kind of got brought on by... Choices I made, and then not trusting people to accept those choices as I got older, and then I got married, and I had a great life, and I never felt anything in there, and then the divorce came, and mm-hmm. then my life took a dramatic change after that. I started getting involved with drugs, uh, started using drugs to hide my feelings. I felt never felt so disappointed in myself. Like I didn't do anything wrong, and I think this was my first failure in life honestly because everything i touched kind of succeeded and this was a failure and i didn't really think i did anything wrong in in this divorce and so i turned to drugs and drugs i still had to be successful at everything i can't fail so i went from using drugs to getting involved with trafficking drugs and Mm -hmm. we started i started going across to mexico and bringing drugs across and i would get into i owned a repo company at the time Mm -hmm. so i would put drugs in the repo company. But yeah. the repo was a violent business. So we would get in fights. I you know, I've been shot at seven times yeah. over this. And but I didn't care because I had shut everything down. I had failed. I didn't care. I had no reason to live. So and it was nobody I wouldn't let anybody get close. If you wanted to get close, it was a fight. You know, no, yeah. no, no, no. But I would let you bring in come in on false pretenses. I'll buy your thing. I'm in control of this relationship because I'm buying. I'm doing this. I'm supplying the drugs. You have to leave in the morning. We're not having a date. No, we're not dating. You know, it was kind of one of them things. And then, you know, we just went through this whole whole time in my life. And then it's amazing. The only time I didn't feel lonely was in prison when I got arrested. And and, and it's because what had happened was, Obviously, I look back on that as the greatest thing that's ever happened to me when I got arrested, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's when Jesus started working on me, and he started entering my life. And um, Mrs. Poe was amazing. Uh, I got put in solitary as a contract, put in on my life, but this woman would still continue to come to the prison while I'm in solitary, and she would bring me a Bible, and it was the first time I'd ever read a Bible. Even though I went to Catholic school, we didn't use a Bible, so here I am, I'm reading this Bible, and I'm, I'm getting questions. Yeah. And at first I didn't believe what it was reading and this and that, and then all of a sudden one thing hit me, just one saying in the Bible, how as a Catholic I was always praying to the Mother Mary, and Jesus just calls her woman. And I, and I was like started questioning my, so I had questions for her. Yeah. Which led to the next question, to the next questions, which through prison, there was no loneliness because jesus was in my life and wow. he was entering my life and he was keeping me busy wild. with him you know so i get out of prison i now been off drugs for three years uh-huh. i'm in prison so what happens i'm in seminary but i'm living by myself and that's first i'm by myself and it starts creeping. So what do I do? I find an excuse to go right back to drugs. Yeah. And I go, and now I'm, but I got a good reason. I'm trying to stay awake and study. So I'm going to seminary. But hey, I'm not using it to chase women. Okay. I'm, I'm Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm being celibate. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be. I'm just using this to get me through. I'm doing it for you.
1: Right. And uh,
2: so I went through this where it got out and, and, but the loneliness was creeping back in, and uh, went through. I went through an amazing transformation. Jesus entered my life to, to get the drugs off me the second time, and and I've never gone back. And it has just been fabulous, and so so grateful. You know that He would even pay that much attention to me. But um, so I get married again, and, and for all the wrong reasons, because I was lonely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got into a bad marriage. I should have never. I knew it going in. She knew it going in. We both just didn't want to. And a year later, you know, we were trying to do everything as Christians that you do not, you know, celebrate for war, no prat, you know. But we were willing to get a divorce. It was like we weren't going to commit this sin. We were kidding. But that's when it started really creeping in. And then I started getting around the holidays. Um, and when I got around the holidays, everybody was kind of enjoying themselves, I'm feeling so bad about myself, because here I am, you know, rejected. Yeah. Totally rejected by a woman, Christian, you know, split life forever, you know, and we don't. And um, we're sitting there at Christmas, and I had spent some time with friends and everything at Christmas. And then the next day, Christmas Day, I'm just watching Facebook, and I'm getting jealous and jealous over everything that's happening on Facebook with everybody I knew, family and friends. And I'm like, every one of them know I'm here at home by myself. So are they my friends? Are they not? So I started asking God, and I started looking around and just asking, should I come home? Should I come home? And I heard a voice say, yeah, just come home. But it wasn't a voice I recognized. And so at that point, I knew, all right, Dave, you're not, that's not you. That's you need help, yeah. and I'd been around enough people watching them get help, willing to talk, willing to share, willing to be involved, get help and move on with their life. So that's when I took it. I was like, okay, let's do it. Let us do it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I went through. A, I went through a deliverance. I went through. I went through a bunch of things with God and getting right with God and talking to people to where I could share that and get it away. And it, and it was great. I was not lonely. I was not feeling bad. I was accepting of everything that was going on. And then the following Christmas, I got invited for Thanksgiving to somebody's house for the first time since 2003. I spent a holiday with somebody. I mean, I never spent one holiday with anybody from 2003 through 2021. Not one holiday. we in 21 now. 2020. So not once. And so that Thanksgiving, my friend invited me over and It was awesome. So I was like, this is great. Christmas, I got through Christmas. I was fine. It was in between Christmas and and New Year's, and I was just losing it one night again. I went into bed, but I wasn't blaming God anymore. Mm -hmm. Whereas before I say, God, why are you making me so lonely? Why are you bringing nobody into my life? Why Why is it like this? I wasn't blaming him. I was just saying, God, I don't want this anymore. It wasn't a blame. It wasn't a why. It was like, I want it over with. I don't want to feel lonely. Brings, And I was literally crying myself. I'm laying in bed crying, and I'm laying there, and I'm laying there. And then all of a sudden, you ever just feel the room, the weight of the room just changed?
1: Wow. Yeah.
2: And at this point, I could feel, I was like, something's happening here. And I could feel... I was crying still harder. I'm I'm at full lonely, you know. And I, but again, I'm not blaming. I just wanted it to end, you know. I didn't want to feel that way anymore. Mm-hmm. And as I'm laying there and I'm watching, and I could feel this like movement across me, just coming around like it went right about. And I wanted to open my eyes, and I'm like, no, it'll ruin the moment. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. And I'm and I just remember saying, God, I just want to not be lonely. I want somebody, and you know. And all of a sudden, on the top of my head, I could feel a kiss. I mean, mm. full-on kiss. And I to this day, I know it was Jesus just kissing the top of my head, saying, uh-huh. You're not alone. Stop, stop crying for loneliness. Wow. You're never alone. And you know, that night I cried on myself in the sleep. And I have not, since that night, whether I'm with somebody or whether I'm not with somebody who I'm with or where I'm with, I'm securing me and I don't need anybody else to make me happy because mm-hmm. I know he's there and he secured it with me that night. Wow. Don't worry about it anymore. You're not lonely. I'm with you. Yeah. And so, I mean, it doesn't mean now I don't get moments of like, man, I'm really, I don't want, but I can sit back and go, I'm good. It's all right. I'm not, I'm supposed to be, what can I think about?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
2: my studies get a little better where i'm where I'm reading you know even right today, yesterday we had a tornado I mean right next to me the sirens were going off I was in the middle of my Bible study and I just looked up said we're okay and, and just continued my read it, it's I'm protected and yeah. I'm not worried and so the loneliness can go away if you just realize why you know and and so he showed me he's showed me so many times in my life how many how yeah. oh, he can be there for me. And as I look back at all the times that when I've been shot at or when I've had accidents or people died next to me while we were riding together on our motorcycles and it should have been me and it wasn't, that he's been protecting me all along and he's been with me all along. You just got to remember he's there. Wow.
0: That's so, one of my – one of the, like, things that we say around here or I don't know. We learned it somewhere. But it was like it's not that uh, – Jesus or the presence of God is suddenly with you, but it's your awareness of him that Mm -hmm. increases,
1: which is just beautiful. Uh, Dr. Lori, Mm -hmm. can you give us the brain dump? Well, I think it's really interesting. And I just want to highlight a few things for just a second in the connection. And Mm -hmm. so when David talked about, he wasn't lonely in prison and Jesus actually met him there through a woman with the Bible. And so Jesus saturated him, even in, solitary confinement, which is really, really interesting. And so as Molly said about loneliness, we could be with a group of people and still be lonely inside. And so fast forward to outside of that, he's not invited. He's looking on Facebook and he's seeing everybody else. And he used the words, he became jealous. And so he wanted a connection with people. He needed a connection with Jesus. Jesus needed to fill him and then him be connected with people Because if he was looking to others to meet his needs, he would be a bottomless pit or a fatal attraction. Yeah. And so therefore, if I'm lonely, and I don't know who's I am and who I am, and I'm looking for others to fulfill this need inside of me, other people literally can't fulfill that need. And so I'll attract less than desirable people that that'll try to come and fill that. Yes. (laughs) And, And and it'll never be enough. So if I need if i need two they'll only be able to give one or if they give 5000 then i'll need 5001 and so but as soon as i start looking at facebook as soon as i let my mind go somewhere else as soon as i become jealous jealousy actually the root of jealousy is murder and so it's interesting it took a twist and it internalized with david as he's looking at others wishing he could be there or have what they had or have that connection that they had actually it the spirit of murder actually came upon him wondering if he should even go along or continue. Mm-hmm. And so so he opened up that door. And so in the middle of loneliness, the CPR is that we have to be connecti- connected with God. And the interesting thing is a lot of times our connection with God is based on our upbringing. And if we just think that God's distant or if we just do the right things and God's just going to give us a pass into heaven Or if we've been rejected as a child, and I think about then he talked about that instance where he made the decision at a young age to go and live with grandparents, and then the things that happened at Christmas. And so in the middle of our upbringing, actually, the statistics with people today, it's 50% are insecurely attached. So for whatever reason, I'm not securely attached, and you've got a 50-50 shot. And so if you're insecurely attached, if you don't have secure connection then you're going to attract the one out of two that don't have secure connection as well. And so that thing is just actually going to continue to grow in your mind because birds of a feather flock together and you're going to have other insecure attachments. So then you're going to have relationship after relationship that actually ends in heartache and horror and destruction. And then you say, well, I told, I told myself so. And then sometimes we'll put up walls and we'll be avoidant, or sometimes we'll be over anxious and we'll be kind of a hovercraft trying to then connect. And if I'm being a hovercraft and if I'm anxious, or if I put up walls and I'm being avoidant, then I'm actually not connecting with somebody. I'm not actually known. I'm not really engaging with them in a mutual exchange. Jesus is not going to allow them to fulfill me. I'm not going to be able to fulfill them. And it turns out in a big mess until we finally cry out to Jesus and Jesus shows up in whatever way we need. So that connection is so, so important. And with the psychoeducation of that, again, if my brain is wired that I'm not truly connecting, if I'm not truly known, if I'm not truly capable of being known, if I'm avoiding and I put up walls, I actually put myself in a prison. If I try to do too much, if I believe something about myself that's not true, that that false Thing actually becomes a reality and what I carry into my relationships. And so I've trained my brain that actually I'm going to be rejected or people are going to leave me or they don't really know me or they're using me. Or if I start to compare again, it's jealousy, which opens up the spirit to murder. And then our routine shows itself true. Then I'll set myself up and I'll sabotage myself about, well, they didn't invite me or, I show up, but then I'm not really known, and I'm not really able to give a part of my healthy self because I don't know who I am. Because of Jesus is the only one that can fulfill my need, and so this is a and it's kind of like the dog chasing its tail cycle until we cry out to Him. Yeah. In process, radically encounter Him, and then as we become more secure and establish those safe and c- secure connections within ourselves with Jesus, then we're able to start to do that with other safe people and recognize who's safe and who's not.
0: So David, can you just kind of shed some light on, I'd be interested to hear your take on how your relationships did change. Like, and did they? Like, if you can just see like the people that you were um, attracting around you then versus after you've been filled with the spirit and you've been Kissed by Jesus, and so like, what was the what was the difference? Like, what did that look like?
2: When I would go out on a date or meet somebody for the first time, I can guarantee you, within the first ten minutes of our interaction, I was figuring out how this person was going to leave me. I literally oh, wow. would, I would literally s- say to myself, and I used to use this as a term commonly. I've not met anybody who hasn't left me. Wow. You know, I mean, there's nobody, even though sometimes I was the lever, but nobody has not walked out of my life. And there was a period where I even had a prophetic word of, you've got this one year thing on you. Every year, you're just moving on. You're Mm -hmm. moving on. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a group now, and you all know them, (laughs) that I've been around for three years. And it's the first group that I'm committed to. You know, in, in any way. What? It is. Because I got churches that you were just, are still kind of saying, Dave, why are you not coming back? Just, everything from church to people. Yeah. Um, I used to look at every woman when I would meet somebody, I would say, well, would she be worth dating? Could she be dating? Is she single? Is she dated? And now it's not even a concern. Like, yeah. if it's meant, I don't have that desperate need that I have to be married and have to to be with somebody, you know, for from the time I was 21 till I was 36, I was married and I was madly in love with the woman, but that was my identity. I was, and that love went away mm-hmm. and I needed to replace it, but I didn't want to replace it because nobody was going to be good enough. And then all of a sudden, when I felt good enough to be replaced, nobody, it just, you're going to leave. Why should I bother? Yeah. You know, th- nobody hasn't left yet. I haven't met that person yet that hasn't left. And, and, that's a really bad way to start a relationship. Mm -hmm. That's a really bad way to get into anything. And I promise you, every one of you that I've met, when I first met you, that was one of the first thoughts that went into my mind. Mm -hmm. Wow. But it doesn't, it doesn't concern me anymore. And if, if it doesn't, if for some reason we do go apart or I, I'm not with that person anymore, I'm not devastated and I don't look for blame. I don't look for reasoning. It's just, That's the way it's supposed to be. It is is. that the season we were together for a season for a reason, and now it's time for both of us to move on to another season. and And the one constant is God is moving with me, Mm -hmm, and and I don't and I know He's there. There's not any doubt, and so I don't need you or any woman or person fill that void because there is no longer a void there and then you're like
0: free from the expectations right Mm -hmm. so dr will you talk a little bit about like so if i am receiving and i'm full then i'm able to give right Mm -hmm. and i'm able to really connect in the ways that i was designed to connect Mm -hmm. and then what's happening um like what's it i really honestly i'm blinking. Whenever you think about something and then your brain is ordered to like make that thing happen.
1: Yeah. And so the thing that we fear the most actually happens. And so if I don't want to think about pink because pink is bad and I'm not thinking about pink and you listeners, we're not thinking about pink, but what are you thinking about? You're thinking about pink. And so I don't want to be rejected. And then we end up self-sabotaging and then we end up causing the thing to happen because we never actually even can connect. And so if you think about David, that's exactly what happened. And and in the middle of all of that, God created him with this deep desire and this deep need to be connected. We have to be connected with God first, and that has to be enough. But then after that, we also have to be connected with others. I don't think as the body of Christ, we can fulfill our destiny without a team. And in the middle of all of that, we need people with skin on, but the people with skin skin on, if David with a part of, of the no boundaries team, if we're in covenant relationship, if we fall in love with a ministry or in love with a mission or in love with a person, then we can fall out of love. So what does covenant look like that we're going to be thrusting each other towards God that I'm going to be so free from me and free from David and so filled with Jesus and David so filled with Jesus that together we could advance the gospel of the kingdom. And David can play his part on our team and I can play my part on our team and everybody else can play their part on our team. And that's covenant. And I think about even those who go to the national championship. Can you really switch teams every year? And so this cycle from David's life, and and if we go back and look at our patterns and our cycles or our self-fulfilled things that we do that I don't want to think about pink. I don't want to think about pink. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to. And then that's actually what we attract. And so it's beautiful to see how he's changed that, how he'll be fine either way, because Jesus ultimately fills us. But then we have an overflow where we can actually connect with like-minded, like-hearted people. We like to say character and competency and chemistry. And you can think about I mean, oh my gosh, Molly, on No Boundaries International, we have a former drug trafficker (laughs) and what he was able to do and how he was able to turn the world upside down for evil and that kind of a lifestyle now filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. He can turn the world upside down for God. But in order to do that, he's got to be connected. And it does take, I think, that sense of vulnerability.
0: Like it really, I mean, let's just be honest. It probably is a lot easier to just pick up and go to a new group. Or it probably is easier to pick up and go
1: and do something else. But like Dr. Laurie says this all the time is wherever you go, there There you are. are. (laughs) And that's because of the psychoeducation. So in the past, if he learned probably when he was five or even younger than that, that you'll always be left, and so when he starts to get comfortable or starts to get familiar, or when people start to get too close, or he starts to care too much, then what's going to happen in his brain, Molly Buck? What is going to be firing that the smoke alarm, the Amalama ding dong yes. is going to say abort, go away, yes, danger, go evacuate. So and. Listeners, you know that Molly Buck has called that precious thing in the middle of our brain, the amygdala, the Amalonga ding-dong. So David then, whether he realizes or not, not, and the Amalonga ding Dong, now see, I'm doing it. The amygdala (laughs) is actually firing before he's even cognitively conscious of it. And unless we go back and start to analyze our patterns or our behaviors, then he realizes it after he's spent a year at multiple different locations. So we have to see... So what's the pattern and how's that working out for me? And do I have a sign of spiritual immaturity is broken relationships or people that we're not able to get along with? And, but there's a reason. And so that behavior that we see, which could make us mad and we could take, make it all about us actually breaks my heart because Jesus needed to heal. David needed to be kissed on the top of the head by Jesus to start to heal because Jesus never wanted him to take on that.
0: Yeah, and it just takes that, but it takes that, the routine of day in and day out choosing through the vulnerability and choosing through the uncomfortable. I remember one time Jesus just saying, like, get ready to get uncomfortable, like comfortable with the uncomfortable of just continuing to show up and letting people in and working that out. So like, what was that like for you? Do you know, like some of the routine things or things that you worked through to put that in place to where you could like connect?
2: Well, Kind of, I just stopped looking at what was I going to get out of it mm-hmm. um, what, or what were they going to want from me out of it? Yeah. Um, it just acceptance of these are what I need. Mm-hmm. And I, and if you don't meet them, that's okay. Life's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And if I don't meet what you need, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm not going to try and be perfect for you. It's not about pleasing everybody else and You know, I I would love to still get married. Don't get me wrong. But Mm -hmm. the only qualities, qualifications now are you can't disturb my walk with Jesus and I can't disturb your walk with Jesus. Mm -hmm. If our relationship at any point is going to do that, there's no point in being together. And um, so it's just an acceptance of there's a purpose. There's a reason for what I'm doing. The people I am with, I accept and love for who they are, not what they want. Or yeah. What I can do for them, or what they can do for me, it's just an acceptance that no matter what, I'm okay.
0: Yeah, so. it's just that receiving of letting him be yeah. the one that's filling yeah. you, and then you knowing that you can't also then fix someone else. Like, I can't, there's that
2: I can work with you, yeah. I, I can, I can be a Shoulder for you, I can pray for you, I can love you, I can hold you, but you gotta want to be fixed, and you gotta go to Jesus to do that. Yeah. I can direct you that way, but I gotta leave you alone with Him before I can. I'm not that guy, and no, none of us are. I don't think you mm-hmm. know. We can yeah. all talk anybody through anything, mm-hmm. but if you don't fit, go to Him. And, say, and it took me crying that night, and I wasn't blaming. It was a whole different way. Where it was, why God am I? Before it was always, mm-hmm. why God are you making me lonely? What did I do? So then, why you're am I harming? Yeah, you can't and this was blaming. just no, and it was just God. I know there's a reason for this, but I don't want it anymore. Uh-huh. I just don't. I can't take it anymore. This. I didn't want to kill myself. I didn't want to mm-hmm. blame. I didn't want to yeah. hurt. I didn't want to run and hide. I just wanted him to stop it and show me how to stop it, mm-hmm. and he did he said, this is what I needed from you. Yeah, I needed you to come to me and say, stop it. And I did. Don't blame me. Don't hurt me. Don't yell at me.
0: Which all of that just, I feel like we always have a theme of surrender. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it always just comes back to what are we willing to surrender of Mm -hmm. our thoughts and of ourselves? Uh, Dr. Lori, can you shed some more light on the routine aspect
1: Yeah, I think it's really, really important that he sees what the typical pattern was. So when the amalonga ding dong, the amygdala is firing in our brain, we either fight, flight or freeze. And so in his case, and it usually lasted about a year, then he would be done. He'd be out of there. So there was not consistency in relationships over time. And we all know that we have to do our time. We've got to do our 10,000 hours with each other. And it can't just be all the honeymoon Period of ministry or mission teams or friendships or whatever that is. And so the good, the bad and the ugly and actually how we connect and how we solidify with each other is actually through conflict. So conflict is not bad. And so with him, he's used to fighting and then flighting. And so for him to actually plant his feet at No Boundaries for three years is just short of miraculous (laughs) that it doesn't matter how I feel that. These people are going to thrust me towards God, that he could be a really good picker, that this is a safe community and for God then to plant him here. And again, that's what it's going to take, I think, for people to advance gospel of the kingdom and to change the world. And even if I pick up my toys and go somewhere else, then everywhere that I go, there you are, there I am. And the same denominator, the same common theme, if I have an issue with my husband If I have an issue with my mother-in-law and my father-in-law and my brother and my cousin and my best friend and my dog, then I'm the (laughs) common denominator might be you. And the only one that I can take care of is me, which is that my favorite part about this is we all play the butt game. We all have a big old butt that I wouldn't have had to do that. But (gasps) this person did that or I blame this person and me as a therapist, I know the hardest person to work with is somebody who won't take responsibility for themselves, mm. that I can give a big, butt. I can blame somebody else. But then when I go to Jesus, if I'm not willing to look at it, if I'm suppressing it or repressing it, if I'm butting it, or if I'm blaming, then I can't crucify it with Christ. He can't help me because I have too much pride and rebellion. than to bring that thing out in the open and say, Jesus, will you help me? But, but Jesus helped David when he had the faith in Christ and the total surrender to say, Jesus, help me. Here's where I'm struggling
0: and just letting him know, like, this is where I'm at. I'm not blaming. I'm not stuffing. I'm not. I'm just saying, Lord, help. That is beautiful. Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. Yes. And could that really be all it takes it's just a surrendered heart.
2: I don't want to put anything harder in it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That was yeah. the easiest thing. You know, while it was hard for me that night, the moment mm-hmm. afterwards was just, you know, and right. I didn't want to open my eyes for, because I was like, don't let this end, you know? Yes. And so.
0: It's it, like the struggle is always on our end. Yeah. So we won't do what it'll actually take yeah. care of. it. If yeah. we could just get past the like anxiety of thinking, what is it going to be like? Or what if I give this up? If we could just. Silence that yeah. and just come to the Father and receive? Like, that's all he's saying is just, can you receive?
2: Yeah. And here's another, like, I would come to a church, and even when I came to First No Boundaries, like, I'd give everything. Like, here, let me donate this. Let me give you this. Let me do this. Do, do, yeah. This. And the first time aggravator, it doesn't come up, this place ain't for me. I'm gone. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's what would happen, and mm-hmm. it would take about a year. Since then, I am now a full, like, I've never been a member of a church Mm -hmm. The church I go to, our Lord's, I am a full member. I'm join. i a group leader. You know what I mean? It's completely involved. Uh, Their attitude, though, was I don't need to put you in a bunch of training. This is what you want to do it, which is something I wanted to do. You know, everybody wants to put you in training. No boundaries. There's been – but there's a lot of things that happen that I think I don't really agree with that. Mm -hmm. And should I just go along? But I'm under the covering. I trust what you're doing. And usually when – just do it, you know? And, and it's not, well, I don't agree with that. I should leave today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That night of the Christmas, you know, that, that for Christmas, the other church I was going to, they did the same thing. You know, found family, this, 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 and they all, I'm watching them. They're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, well, I didn't go back to them. And all I right. came to you guys. I came to No Boundaries for help. Mm-hmm. It was like, so, but I still was in that same pattern where I left that one. You know, but I made a decision at that point. Where will, yeah. where would my help come from? I need the help.
0: Mm-hmm. You and got to choose. Yeah,
2: I chose, and so I, I left one in the year, but stayed with another. You know <laughs> mm-hmm. what I mean? But I, but I saw where you were. No boundaries was helping others, and I, and for the first time in my life, I was admitting, I needed help, and I couldn't do this on my own. Mm-hmm. I need to be involved. Wow. So,
1: and that's a cool thing about Jesus is if we flunk it, then He doesn't send the big lightning bolt and zap us and dust bust us. But you can bet if we leave one spot or training, then He's going to put us in another training, and the thing mm-hmm. will come right back around. We like to call that a redo. Yes. <laughs> so it sounds like you've gotten a big fat redo. Yeah,
2: that whole <laughs> and year. And here you are. Yeah. That, and
1: here you are. Still. That
2: next year was the, then that Christmas I hadn't fully accepted. Yeah. The next one come along, and and then that was it. So.
1: And now here you are.
2: And here I am.
1: And we're changing that the world. That is so fun. <laughs> now you're on a podcast. Yes, what? because he's changed his brain. And when you
0: change your brain? You change your life. So, David, if you could just give one one takeaway for the listeners. If there was someone who is struggling right now with loneliness and they're listening and they're like, man, like I've been that person that feels like I'm by myself and I'm in a crowded room with people who quote unquote love me, who, who are thinking Like, is this really family, or they're questioning those things? What would you say to
2: them? Stop worrying what everybody else around you is doing towards you. Take advantage of that time alone or loneliness, and invite Jesus in, and say, Jesus, yes, fill this void. Help me with this. Don't blame him. Don't blame everybody else. Why you're lonely? It's nobody else's fault. It's There's a purpose. And let him come in. And when he comes in and, and fills you in, and and you start that relationship with him, like my day, first thing in the morning, I get up at 4.30 every morning and spend two hours in the Word every morning. Wow. A.M.? At 4.30 a.m. every morning. Every morning. And that's what I do. And wow. And I got my three computers set up. I got my two Bibles set up on my desk and I'm reading and I'm, and now I'm not even just reading. I'm, I'm like, if I only get through one line in that two hours, I've researched it yeah. and, I, I, and I got an opinion. And and now I ask him, I don't, I just, Lord, let me read this the way you interpreted it. I don't, don't I don't want my interpretation anymore. I want to know how, what he meant by it. What did you mean by this word? Yeah, and then go figure it out. And so, if you're feeling lonely, stop worrying about what other people are going to do for you and how they're going to fix you because they're not. The minute they do something wrong, you're going to move on. You're going to not want to be there. If you're worrying about how they're going to help you, they're not. They're never going to help you. They always will let you down. But if you turn to Jesus and you ask Him to come in and you sit down and have the conversation with Him, whether it's crying, whether it's normal. I, he will never forsake you or he will never leave you. Yeah. And he stands by that promise. You just got to invite him in. He's there. You're just not accepting him.
0: Yeah. So increase our hey. increase our ability to receive. Yes. Dr. Laurie,
1: any parting words? I think it's really important that we totally connect with Jesus. But then after that, we need to find a like-minded, like-hearted community. And so we need to have people to practice into do life with because we're created for community. We're not created to be by ourselves. We've talked about comparison and jealousy and how that's actually demonic and opens a door for all kinds of things. We've talked about then how you blame others. And if you won't take responsibility for yourself and surrender to Jesus, you're, you're looking for everything else on the external where only the true King can fill that. And so I think as we go to Christ and as we surrender and as we start to know who we are and whose we are then we can start to relate and get to know ourselves and play the plays that we were created to play. And I think it's really, really important. The only person that will take us out of our destiny is ourselves. And the hardest person that we'll ever have to lead is ourselves. And so again, back to the recommendation, if you've been looking for love in all the wrong places, I think you get away you acknowledge what's been going on, you seek Jesus, you get a plant for a year. And if you haven't killed that plant, then you get a dog. And if you don't kill that dog, then maybe after two years, you might be ready to start dating. Okay, okay I'm teasing. Is that, your, is that your dating <laughs> advice? <laughs> I've okay, had two never dogs mind. seven years. <laughs> no, I think that Jesus has exactly what we need no. through community. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is, is if I'm
0: someone who's really resonating with that lonely feeling. If I could just take a second and just do a really good self-inventory about the things that I'm thinking about and just to really look at kind of my behavior patterns and just take a good hard look and just say, all right, Jesus, will you meet me in it? And let him be the one to fill every desire in me. And then as he's filling my every desire, then I can connect in ways that I've never been able to connect before. And if that happens, and if he fills me, then things begin to change in me and in my relationships, not only with Christ, but with other people. And then my thought processes start to change. And as my thoughts change, my brain changes. And as my brain changes, then your life changes, which is exactly why we're here. So this is a beautiful process. And David, I just want to say thank you for being so vulnerable and for sharing with us today. And thank you, Dr. Lori, for your brain dump and your expertise.
1: Yes. It's been a treat. Molly, Buck, thank you too.
0: (laughs) Happy to be here. And thank you all for listening. And just remember, if this is still a struggle, just keep pressing in because God wants to fill it and not in just a head knowledge of don't be lonely, but I'm really just extending the invitation to ask him to experientially meet you in it and just to see what he has to say. So thank you guys for listening and until next time.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to our Relief from Darkness podcast. If you would like more information or are looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here, Please visit the No Boundaries International website at www.nbint.org where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration. And be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.